Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Ready? One, two, three. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. This is not just something we do as a tradition, Lord, or, or a, a repetition, Father, but we believe that your word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, Father. We believe that it is incorruptible, Lord. We believe that it is indestructible, Lord. We believe that it is going to change us and never leave us the same. That's why we want to hear your word, because it is by hearing and hearing and hearing that our faith grows and faith comes, Father. Let your faith be built up in us, our faith be built up in us today as we hear your word. I ask that you use me as an instrument in your hand. Let my words not be my own, but yours, Father. And let, as I speak your word, as it happened in the times of Peter, that the Holy Spirit would come upon those that hear it in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to continue in the power of re, and um, I'm not going to go over everything that we, we I keep doing that at the beginning. Uh, we're already heading into March, and this is kind of still our uh, New Year's vision. Uh, if you haven't noticed, our, our uh, little, we always come up with a little phrase, we try to rhyme it with, the, with you know, 2024, and we, we came up with, or the Holy Spirit spoke to us on that week between December and January, my wife went away for a couple of days, and we heard from the Lord, and it was back for more in 24, right? little rhyming there, right? I can almost rap. But uh, back for more in 24. And as I was preparing for that, the Lord kept showing me all the yearly messages that I had preached since we had taken over here in 2016. We took over June 6th of 2016. We became the pastors here. So 2017... Uh, uh, the first week of January, we had brought the first uh, a message for, that, for the vision of that year. And then we continued every year. So I went back and went over those, and, and the, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, you need to preach these again. So I went, I refreshed them and went through some different scriptures and, and, and really uh, uh, got blessed by preparing uh, the same message again and refreshing it to bring it. And as I was doing that, uh, uh, my pastor began to speak to me about mucho mas, and uh, he, when we had our, our meeting, our yearly um, uh, board meeting, he spoke to us about mucho mas, and I didn't put the two together until, because it's a message that he preached in Bolivia, when we used to go to Bolivia all the time, and he preached this message in Bolivia, and it was called mucho mas, and so he gave me a couple of the scriptures, and last week I believe I read out of Romans 5, and you saw the mucho mas in there. And uh, so I spoke to him uh, this week, and he's going to be here April 7th to uh, preach that message in its entirety. So we're, I'm excited for that. I, took, I asked him, I said, I usually don't tell him what to do, 
Uh, he's my pastor, so, but I said, would you mind? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm coming with the mucho mas. I was like, all right, so uh, we're looking forward to that, but the Lord really brought us to this point, and then I connected the mucho mas to back for more, mucho mas, right? More in 24, so I connected everything, and it kind of confirmed, and uh, so we started last week the power of the re, uh, which was 2022, I believe, uh, we did uh, the power of the re for the first month. I, we did several, but I'm only doing two. I did last week, and now we're going to do this week. And it all ended up going right back to faith. So this morning, as I was praying, I, every morning I get up and, and I immediately start praying in tongues. I immediately start praying in the Spirit on Sundays. Uh, during the week, it happens to me sometimes too. And sometimes I wake up and I and I'm thinking about somebody, and I pray for that person or their family, and I'll text them and say, hey, the Lord put you on my heart today, and I'm, I'm praying for you. If you haven't gotten one of those, don't be offended. So um, pray for yourself. But <laughs> I, uh, I woke up this morning praying in the Spirit and just really hearing from the Lord, and the Lord, as, as I was going over my notes once again this morning, the Lord uh, uh, spoke to me again. So yeah, I want to explain that. So if we have... Uh, some newbies. There's not, nothing wrong with that. Uh, in fact, it's better to be a baby in the Lord sometimes, because if you know too much, we miss the, the simple things that God is doing. But, um, you know, the Lord spoke to me this morning means that I heard something in my spirit. So it, it has happened where I have heard an audible voice. It's happened to me twice uh, in, in my 35 or 37 years, 24, 30, 37 years, my 87, yeah. 37 years of being a Christian, I've only heard the audible voice of God. I've had some out-of-body experiences, uh, and no, I don't do drugs. But um, I did, I did uh, hear from the Lord, which is kind of an internal thing, and he said to me, it's going to be the summer of faith. So I was like, okay, what does that mean? And he goes, well, you've been talking about the diminished faith. And we talked about it last week, and I'm going to start this week speaking on that a little bit. And what we've done is we've taken our faith, you know, we're a word of faith church. We've taken our faith to believe for miracles. We've taken the faith that we've had in the past for all these things and society and culture and, and COVID, all, you know, all those different things have caused us to settle. We have. We've settled on certain things. And our, our, our medical system is very advanced so we always run to that first, right? And, and, and I'm going to speak on that today also. But we've diminished the faith, and, and that, that's not good. And, and I take responsibility for part of that. But you have your own responsibility to, to now build that back up and to get back to that place where we believe and we confess the word and where we stand on the word, having done all we stand, right? Where we lift our eyes, guard our heart, and tame our tongue. Where we sit and we walk and we stand, right? All these little things that I've taught in the past. If you're going to sit, sit at the right hand of the Father. If you're going to walk, walk out, as, uh, uh, walk out your faith. If you're going to stand, stand on the word, right? So we need to be doing, these are things that have been fed to us, and now they've taken the back burner to many other things. Because, you know, if the enemy can't steal the faith from you, he'll diminish it. Well, that's, we're going to take back what's rightfully ours, okay? And we're going to start that today with recover, restore, and rebuild. So recover. Remember much more? And I just mentioned diminished faith, uh, faith, lost blessings, times to recover. We've had times where we've lost things. You know, uh, uh, and, and I hate mentioning this over and over again, but, you know, COVID stole from us. It did. It stole from us. It took time from us. 
It took uh, away time in the church. You know, we did close down for three months, but uh, then we reopened when the Holy, and this is all Holy Spirit led. I didn't make those decisions. My decision was, and I remember I was standing in the, airport, in the hotel in the airport in San Francisco looking out the window going, and they had just mentioned about shutting everything down, and we were taking the last flight out the next morning out of San Francisco back here. We were on our 30th anniversary uh, trip. Every five years we save up, and every five years we try to take a nice trip, and we had done all of uh, uh, you know, um, the northern part of California and San Francisco and all that area there. So we were trying to get back. And, uh, and I stood there, I remember standing there's, you know, floor to ceiling window and you see all the airplanes and I'm standing there and said, I am not shutting down. We are a church of faith. We are people of faith. We're, and I'm in my little, you know, I'm having a, a, a temper tantrum, right? I'm like, I don't care. The police could come and shut us down. I was like, you know, stomping my feet and having, a, and the Holy Spirit in his gentle way says, you're going to shut down until I tell you so. I'm like devil get thee behind me you know i and the holy spirit so gentle again said you're gonna and i obeyed we did it for three months and then the holy spirit said it's time and when when the holy spirit told me it was time and not that that would have mattered or anything we would have opened according to what god was speaking to your pastors uh uh desantis the governor said that it, uh, churches became essential because you can't make the bar down the street essential and not make the church essential, right? So they had to kind of combine the two, right, and say we were essential. But during that time, we lost some stuff. We're going to gain all that back. We're going to recover. And I want to use 1 Samuel chapter 30 uh, as our uh, reference scripture for this message on recover, restore, and rebuild. And it says in verse 1, 1 Samuel 30, verse 1, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the, the south in Ziklag. Try to invade the south here. We'll see what happens. Everybody owns a gun. <laughs> Attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there. Taken captive. From small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken. Everybody say taken. Had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and Jezreelitis, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal and the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. Greatly distressed. Anybody ever been there? For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. They were blaming David. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He didn't strengthen himself in his own power. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. 
Oh boy, something's going down because when David wears his ephod, it's pretty serious. You know what an ephod is? It's a little string with a towel and it covers your privates. That's what he was, he was about to strip down and wear his ephod. He's done that before. And his wife gave him a hard time about it. And Abiathar, read your Bible. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? I, I, shall I pursue? And he answered and said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, without fail, without fail, recover all. Say recover all. Cover all. So David went, and he, the 600 men who were with him, and came to Brook Besor, where they stayed, uh, who were left behind. So some people were left behind. I would like to say there were the ones that were complaining and blaming David and saying that it was all his fault. He probably left the murmurers behind. But David pursued. He and 400 men, uh, four, 200 stayed behind. Now he's lost another 200. Any of this sound familiar? Anybody know the story of Gideon? And a hundred stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. So some of them got tired and said, yeah, to here and no more. Tell them I'll call them back. So it says that David was greatly distressed. This word distress means to be bound or pressed between two hard places. That's where we get a rock in a hard place. So he's distressed. Why? The, this happened. His city's burned down. The wives and children have been taken, something very dear to their heart, something that meant everything to them was taken from them, not killed, but taken. Think about that. He, they didn't kill him because if they killed him, then they, it's a total loss, but they were taken. That means there's opportunity to recover. We have an opportunity to recover what the enemy has stolen from us. And if you think the enemy hasn't stolen anything from you, then you're living in a fantasy land. He owes me. I want back what he took. And I don't want just what he took. I want it seven times more. I don't want to go back to the faith I had before. I want seven times that faith. I want to walk on water. I want to believe for miracles. I want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I want more. Mucho mas. That's what happened to David. He got ticked off. <laughs> right? And he said, what? We're going to go recover. Why? Because the Lord said so. The Lord's speaking to us that we need to recover what the enemy has stolen from us. Something's been taken. We've settled. I don't want this life. Jesus paid, I said it last week, Jesus paid such a great price on that cross for us to settle. And I used the example of the TV. Somebody came to me and said, somebody gave me a huge TV. I was like, awesome, right? You go into Sam's and you see the, I saw it the other, I almost posted a picture of it. I, I took a picture of the 86-inch TV. It's $9.99. $9.99 now. 86 inches, right? I need a bigger house so I can... <laughs> Right? 86 inches, $9.99. So you go in, and you know you can't just grab that and put it on the cart, right? 
You go to the, you go to the cashier and say, I want that TV over there, and I'm going to need some help. And they're going to say, okay, and you hand them $1,000 or plus tax or whatever. You hand them the credit card or whatever. You're going to pay your debit cards, which you should be paying with. You pay with a debit card. You go, boom, and they go. And then you go outside. You pull your truck around because it's not going to fit in your car. You need to pull your truck around. And then when you're up front, the guy comes out with a 15-inch computer uh, screen and says, here you go. And what we did, we took that and said, woohoo, and got into our truck and left. No, he paid for 86 inches of football, right? He paid for the whole thing. He paid for it all. He paid for it all. And we're taking this little thing and saying, okay, I'll settle with this. At least I can see something on the screen. If I sit close enough. We've settled and we've settled, but it's time to recover. And David asked, as we did, we asked the Lord, do do we stay here or what do we do? He says, no, 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 no. You're going to go recover every bit of what was taken from you. And some of us may feel a little weak like he was talking about, but look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. not sure why it's doing that. sounds weird to me anyway. Uh, because of this, since the day we heard about you, verse 9, we have continued praying for you, asking God that you will know fully what he wants. Fully. You see these words? Because there, there's some, if there's something missing, then you have to add those type of adjectives. You have to say, this is fully. This is all of it. This is, right, fully what he wants. We pray that you will also have great wisdom and understanding in spiritual things. So that you will live the kind of life that honors and pleases the Lord in every, every way. You will produce fruit in every good work and grow in the knowledge of God. Look at verse 11. God will, he will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when troubles come, but you will be patient. And troubles came, and some gave up. Okay, I'm sorry. I gave up some stuff. I let some things go. I stopped believing for things that I used to believe for, for things that we have seen miracles in our lives, in our children's lives, in our finances. We have seen miracles in many areas of our lives. When I was at Ramah, I literally could walk on water. Our faith was, and let me tell you, God orchestrated that moment in time in life because while we were at Ramah, we found out that our daughter, our middle baby, but she's way beyond that on her pituitary gland, and and I won't even tell you what the outcome was going to be, but she's way beyond that now. And we took the MRI and the the, the, uh, x-rays, and we took them to another doctor after praying over her, and he held them up, and he says, wow, who did that surgery? And he goes, that's... I can't believe anybody even went in there because that's an area that you're not, you can't do surgery. You can't remove anything from it. Once, you, once there's a tumor there, that's it. So she's basically an airhead. That's what he said. She said because there was a, a pocket of air where the tumor used to be. God removed that tumor because of our faith. We say, oh, well, God, you know, chose to. No, God chose to heal us all. If you're not being healed and you're not experiencing the fullness of God's blessings in your life, you got to look in the mirror and say, where's my faith? 
Because God already did everything he's ever going to do for you. I know that always makes a couple people uncomfortable. But that's actually the truth because he already paid the price for your healing. By the stripes of Jesus, we are already healed. Right? He's already paid everything up there. He paid for all our sins, the ones that we did, doing, and will ever do. Yet we live in sin consciousness and we're always, oh, poor me. Oh, poor me. Oh, poor me. Only a penitent man shall pass. Nobody's seen that? Come on. We've all seen Indiana Jones. Only a penitent man shall pass. And he goes down in all the blades, right? And a few minutes later, you see an actual example of faith. And he takes that step. And there's, there was something there to hold. And then he throws the rocks. And then I'm thinking to myself, he should have just thrown the rocks. <laughs> right? If he would have done that first, then it would be easier. But he took the step of faith. That's what we need to start doing, start taking steps of faith and, and take back, right? In order to recover, we must follow David's example in the midst of his distress. David strengthened himself in the Lord. He picked himself up by his own bootstraps. You ever heard that? Right? He, he strengthened himself. Oh, Lord, help me. Strengthen me. Yeah, he'll do that. But there's something that we need to do. He did three things. Number one, he prayed. I have a, a message, it's been years, I, I believe, that I preach that it's called Pray First. That should mean something to somebody right now. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered. He asked God, and God answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover them. He asked first. He prayed first. And listen, I'm not picking on you, I'm just trying to awaken a faith that's been inside of you all this time and a word of faith that's been inside of you all this time that needs to be recovered. It's not dead. He just took it. And now he's got to give it back. Right? Come on. Now he's got to give it back. He did three, three things. He prayed first. We tend to seek worldly wisdom and knowledge to make a decision that requires godly wisdom and knowledge which is acquired through prayer. See, David approached God with a question, not a request. <laughs> a lot of our prayer is like that. And granted, if it's according to the word, sure, you can come to God with a request, stand on a certain word. But he came to God, right? He came to God with a question, not a request. What would you like me to do next? What do we do? We bring our prayer to God, and then we tell God, this is how we're going to accomplish it. I need you to help me out. God ain't going to help you out. He's going to do the work. You're going to help him out. He's in charge. Jesus is my co-pilot. Well, you, you better put him at the steering wheel then. Right? Jesus, take the wheel. We say that, right? These are little things we say, and I understand. I'm not picking on you. These are... You know, funny little things we say. You got those bumper stickers that say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. You can remove the I believe it because when God says it, that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. You believing it means that you get to live in that what he said. Right. But when he says it, he doesn't need you to settle it. He's God, right? But he needs us to pray in faith and go before God. The first thing we should do when you get a bad report, pray. 
The first thing you should do when your finances just aren't lining up, something's not working out, you pray. But what do we do? We figure out how we can pull and push, and right? And sometimes we even do things that are immoral. And we do things, right? We, we try to, to cheat the government and try to get more tax money because I'm in need. And we're doing all these things, and we don't realize that the more that we take on these things by our own strength, the less God is involved. I want God involved, right? He's the owner of a cattle with ten, right? A, a cattle with ten thousand, or a hill with ten thousand cattle, right? He owns everything, all the gold and the silver. He's the man, <laughs> right? I'm going to him. We need to pray first. And listen, I've fallen into that. Recently, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be a little vulnerable here this morning. Uh, recently, we, I found myself praying. For something that I never pray for. Years and years have gone by and I never pray for our finances. My wife and I, personal, personal household finances. We don't. We pray for yours. We pray for the churches. And we lived a certain way for a certain time and we wore it as a badge. It was pride. I do this and I don't do that and I, you know. And I live this way and I'm humbling myself and and the Lord used Pastor Fred to put me in my place with a, a loving, fatherly way that, that he does. I started crying. We were out for lunch, and I'm in a public place, and I'm trying to hold my tears back, not because of what he said, but because the Holy Spirit was confirming what he was saying. It was all over me. And to, be, and to have the Holy Spirit tell you you're operating in pride, that was a big deal for me. That's changed. I've been praying now for our finances in the midst of yours and the churches. I'm praying for blessings to come upon us and you and the church, right? And we started praying those things, and, and all of a sudden, little things started happening. And these are just little things. There's great things because I'm recovering what should have been given to us a while back because of our lack of faith in that area of our life. But no more. No more, right? I'm not talking about, uh, you know, living way beyond our means. No, I'm talking about God providing everything that we need and everything that we want. That's kingdom living. What do we do? We don't pray first. We look at the Dow. We look at the economy. We look at interest rates. We look at gas prices. We look at this, that, and the other thing. All that operates in the economy of this country in this world. That's how that operates. According to those laws and those things that are in place. Do you know that God's kingdom has laws too? Do not be a fool. Just don't be a fool. A man will reap whatever he sows. Don't be a fool. So if you're not planting anything, you're not going to reap anything. See, the world works this way. How do you get rich? You gather and you pull and you say, and you should. You should, be, you should have a, a retirement. We have a, a little retirement account that we're starting to really you know, grow. And, and I'll never retire from ministry. Uh, ministry is something you do your whole life. You slow down a little bit here and there. But, but ministry is a calling. It's not a job. So you do, it the rest, you do it the rest of your life. And I'm very satisfied with that. I'm very happy with that. So you, have, you, know, you, you should save. But 
When, when all you're doing is gathering and gathering and gathering, you're missing out on the blessings of God. You're buying and you're selling instead of giving and receiving. That's a paradigm shift in your brain. The world operates that way. You buy and you sell. The kingdom works with giving and receiving. It's a whole nother, right? In the world, you gather and, and you know, finances, we have to be ready in, in case that rainy day comes. Well, if you're preparing for the rainy day, you're going to get a rainy day. That's where your faith is, right? The rainy day comes either way, right? Tribulations, everyone has them, but God delivers them out of all of them, amen? Pray first, pray first. We want God to help us with our plan. We should be asking him what his, his plan is. So pray first, and then he prayed, David prayed, and then he purged. Some of you may not like this one. So David went, and he and the 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Besor, where they, those stayed where he where, were left behind. I like to think that some of them were like the ones that were murmuring and complaining, and, and okay, David, are you sure we're going to win this thing? Are we going to, come on, right? And Listen, when you begin to stand in faith and you begin to recover these things that we're talking about and you begin to, to you're going to have those that are going to come against you. Sometimes it's the ones closest to you. That's where the biggest betrayal feels because you're like, I'm trying to believe for this. I'm trying to stand on this word. I'm trying, and you're going to try and take that from me? What did he do? He purged those people. And with less people... He did more. Every time I say something like that, I remember Billy Graham. He says, I have done so much more with my 90% than I ever could have with my 100. That was something that he said, and I repeat it because it, it helps me because we've been tithers since, since we got married. She was a tither. She was born a tither. I didn't know anything like that. You know, I learned it later in life. And thank God for, for her knowledge and, and her implementing that and then us being in a faith church and learning those things. And we have not, there hasn't been. And at the end of the year, I love it. I, I get so happy. You got to check your emotions because your emotions will tell you quite a bit. So this year, I, you know, you get your W-2s and it tells you how much you made, gross and net and all that, right? So you look at that and then I get my donation thing and I look at that and I want to make sure that it, it matches my net. And every time that I'm over by quite a bit, I get all like, ooh, I get all giddy. I go, that's, that's seed, man. I plant, look at all that. And if I'm below it, I, you know, I've never, we've never been below, but we had somebody in the church, I won't tell you who, but they, they noticed that they were a little below and they wrote a check for the difference <laughs> at the end of the year to make sure that they were over their, what they made. Because they were like, I don't know how we ended up, you know, and we went through it with them. We, you know, we went on, on, on their donations. Says, yeah, that's what came in. And, you know, it says, okay, no problem. We'll, we'll make it right. And they wrote that check and made it right. Not, be, not with us. You understand that. They weren't making it right with us because we would have never known. I don't get their W-2s. I don't get your W-2s. I don't even check your tithe. I'd rather not know, right? So I don't look at your cross-eyed. Just kidding. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. So we need to learn to purge those from our lives that are keeping us from fulfilling God's plans for our lives, right? Remember Gideon? 
he, he gathered all these people, and then he gathered less people, and then he left more people, and with, with 300 men, he defeated an innumerable amount of enemies. But what did he do? He prayed, and what happened? God told him what to do. He didn't go, okay, I got 300 men. Uh, God, I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing, and you're going to help me out. That's not what Gideon did at all. God said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take a, a, you know, a, 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 a fire, and you're going to put the vessel over it, and you're going to break it, and you're going to blow trumpets, and you're going to... To me, it would have been like the same with the, the, you know, the Jericho. You're going to go around seven times and keep quiet, and, you know, and they must have purged all the Hispanics, because I can't imagine a Hispanic being quiet for seven days. They had to get rid of all the Cubans and Puerto Ricans, and right? They had to. So you guys wait here. We'll do the silent thing, and then you can, when the walls come down, well, you can come with us. But you, yeah, you, yeah, we were at the end. At the end, right? We were the ones that made all the noise at the end. We were the screamers. Purge. Sometimes we need to get rid of stuff. You know, in your, especially in your finances, you know, somebody asked, oh, I really need to pray for me to get a raise. And, you know, I said, well, quit drinking Starbucks coffee. You get an immediate raise. $5 a day, 30 days, $150 a month. That's a raise, right? Sometimes it's not about how much you get in. It's about how much it goes out, how much you spend. We've made those adjustments in our lives in the past and got an immediate raise without ever getting more money. We just spent less money. Remember Gideon. I wrote there in big letters. So prayed, he prayed, he purged, and then he pursued. Come on. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind and were so weary that they could not cross the brook. David and his men ran into an Egyptian that was serving. Now, after the, uh, between uh, 11 and 16, I didn't read all that, but he runs into an Egyptian that had gotten sick because he hadn't eaten in a while. And uh, so they, they found this guy, and he's one of the enemy, and uh, the, the, he's, he's afraid he's going to die. And, and David gives him, uh, it says it in there, you can read it, a cake of fig. If you like fig, then you must like fig cake, and some raisins and, and something to drink. It says that he hadn't eaten or drank anything in three days. Right? Three days without water, you're pretty much going to die the next day, right? So he fed him and all that and strengthened the man so that the man could tell him and help him. And the man said, listen, I'll help you as long as you spare my life. And who do you think provided that Egyptian? I believe God provided that Egyptian. Why? Because he began to pursue. We want God to help us before we pursue. And it's in the pursuit that God shows up. That's how it works. It's in our pursuit of what God has told us to do that God shows up. Always. Read the stories in the Old Testament. It's always in our faith without works is dead. Right? It's in our pursuit that we go and we, we're going after to recover what God, uh, what the enemy had stolen from us and what God had promised to us. We're on that pursuit and now God shows up all of a sudden and, and provides this man. David did not wait around to see what God was going to do. He heard from the Lord and began his pursuit to recover. And in that pursuit, God provided. You know, that's, that happened to us. We were waiting for our finances to change before we did something. 
before we plant it. And I, and I thought back, and I'm thinking, man, you know, we used to be daring. Like, we, used to, we emptied out our savings one time. The Holy Spirit spoke to us, and we, we wrote, a, the Holy Spirit said, empty out your savings and give it to, we were giving it to uh, uh, trying to bring the Quechua Indians from Bolivia to Rock Church for a cumbre, which was like a, a yearly uh, uh, camp meeting type thing. And we were trying to bring these Indians from the mountains of Bolivia. They didn't have birth certificates. They didn't have anything. And, we were, and they were picking up an offering to do that, to get their passports and get them. It was the greatest thing. You should have seen them at the beach. It was incredible. We, they gave us each, uh, we gave them each $100 to go and, and go shopping. And, you know, my wife, being from a third world country, understood what that means. You take them to the dollar store. So everyone else was like, you take them to the, to the mall. You take them to the mall. You buy one or two things, you're yeah, done. With 100 bucks, we took them to the dollar store. And they ran around. They kept yanking stuff off the shelf. Un dollar, un dollar, one dollar, one dollar. And they were just grabbing one dollar, only one dollar. <laughs> they couldn't believe everything that was a dollar. They, they bought 100 things. All right? And we paid the taxes. But uh, we... <laughs> And we took them to the dollar store, and they ran around. But during that time, the Lord spoke to us. To They were picking up the offering, and the Lord says, empty out your savings. And the, that was that Sunday when the Lord spoke to me. I wrote a check for half because that's where my faith was at that moment. But I had the most horrible week <laughs> because in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I didn't obey, and I always obey, and I always do what God tells me. So the next Sunday, I wrote the check for the second half. And we gave it all away. And, uh, and uh, when I left Xerox, I had some stock at Xerox, and uh, we had sold it and moved it into an IRA, and a bunch of stuff happened. Well, Xerox made a mistake in the calculations of what they were supposed to give me. And this was 10, 15 years later and, uh, that they realized that there was a mistake done. So they gave us back that money that was rightfully ours with interest, uh, accrued interest, uh, 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 all the benefits that go along with owning the stock. The stock had... Uh, um, split. You know, when stock gets big enough, they split it. The stock had split, so we had double the stock. We didn't know. They sent us a check in the mail for a, like five times the amount that we had given on, that sun, on those two Sundays because it took me a couple Sundays to, to write that check. And the Lord did what he said he would do. But we had to pursue. We had to, right? It took something of us to go and do something. But what are we, well, lately what we've been doing, and I had to repent before the Lord. I'm being honest with you guys. What I've been doing is I've been waiting for the finances to change to do something. We're not doing that anymore. We're not doing that anymore. We're not doing that anymore. The Lord says so, we're going to do it. No matter what it means to our finances, we're going to do it. Pursue, pursue, pursue. In 1 Samuel uh, 30, we'll pick up in verse 16. It says, and when he had brought him down, the, the uh, Egyptian uh, was helping him now. He, the Egyptian had brought him down. There they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Boy, they messed up. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. You thought it was going to be easy. Come on, Jesus paid the price. He did it all. I should just be able to sit back on my couch and pray, and somebody's going to show up at my door and hand me a big fat check. Right? I should be able to 
you know, pray and, 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 and the phone's going to ring and, and the mortgage company's going to say, we decided to pay off your mortgage. We're just going to sit around and that's not how that works. They fought for a day and a half, nonstop. Not a man of them escaped. Not one escaped. Not one except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered, listen, recovered all. Let's say that together. Recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And they, he was in good graces with them, I bet. And, and he got lucky. And, they, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, You're believing for your sons and daughters? It's time to recover them. It's time for the prodigals to come home. We settled. (laughs) David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking. Either small or great. Sons or daughters. Spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds that they had driven before those uh, other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Spoil means above and beyond what was rightfully his. So they took back what was theirs, and they got some extra. Because they decided to stand in faith and do what God said to do, come on. Got the Jamaican lady saying mucho más, and you guys ain't saying anything. Huh? They're only a few miles from Cuba. Mucho más. He didn't just get back what was rightfully his. He got mucho más. Why? Because he did exactly what God told him to do, and he stood in faith. He didn't wait for circumstances to change. He didn't wait to be stronger. He didn't wait to have a bigger army. In fact, he had a smaller army than he started with. He didn't wait on things, to, the economy to change. He didn't wait for a new president. Come on. That guy sitting in there is not our God. He's not even our king. telling you vote this is the year to vote you need to vote vote your your conviction vote 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 but don't put your faith in the man you're voting for come on we have a king he's the king of kings and the lord of lords he loves us he provides for us he heals us he delivers us come on jesus he's the god of mucho mas he recovered all Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are mucho más, more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded... Come on, what is persuade? You can't change my mind. I am so persuaded. It don't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I feel. I am persuaded. That's a faith word. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor other created thing shall be able to separate us from the mucho mas, shall not separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. What have we done? We've allowed some things to separate us. We've allowed some things to, to put a, a little bit of a, a space between us. That's over. It's time to recover that. It's time to recover that. Nothing. Although they had recovered all, their families and their possessions, they returned to a burnt and destroyed city. Now it was time for restoration. Right? It leads us right into restoration. Recovery requires something of us. Restoration is done by God. Psalms 139.12, 126a says, it is time, thee, Lord, to work. I should say that. It is time, thee, Lord, to work. Come on. We're going to, not only is he going to work, but we're going to work. Restore. I'll, I'll read it. We're running out of time. But Deuteronomy 33 through 11, I'm going to read it in the Message Bible. It says, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. Everything. Everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from the places you were scattered. Now, this is the restore part. We've recovered. Recovered requires something of us. Now that we've recovered, God's going to do his part, which is restore. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed. It will be yours again. He will give you a good life and make you more numerous than your ancestors. God, your God, will cut away the thick calluses. Oh, man, the thick calluses on your heart and your children's heart, freeing you to love God, your God, with your whole heart and soul and live, really live. Not just live, but really live. God, your God, will put all these curses on your enemies who hated you and were out to get you. And you will make a new start, listening obediently to God, listening obedient to God, keeping all his commandments that I'm commanding you today. God, your God, will outdo himself in making things go well for you. He's going to outdo himself. You'll have babies. You'll get calves. You'll grow crops. Enjoy an all-around good life. Can I say that again? You'll have babies. That's for some... <laughs> You'll get calves, grow crops, enjoy an all-around good life. Some of us here are weary, and we're saying this is not a good life. It's time to recover and restore. God's going to restore us and keep the commandments and the regulations written in the book of Revelation. Nothing half-hearted here. You must return to God, your God, totally, heart and soul, holding Nothing back. That's it. No more diminished faith. This commandment that I'm commanding you today, it's too much for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not too much. You can do this. Why? Because God's going to restore it. God's going to do it. You've recovered. Now, now God says, okay, here I come. I'm going to restore all these things back to you. And I'm not just going to restore. I'm going to rebuild. And this takes us back to a month and a half ago when we started back for more in 24. Isaiah 58, 12. 
The New King James Version says, For those among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Now let's read this in the message. You ready? You guys have heard this not too long ago. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. This should mean something completely new to you now. We've left some things behind. We've allowed things to become rubble, things that we should have put our faith to. Well, now it's time to take that and build it again. Build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known. You'll be. I want to be known of those who can fix anything. Restored old ruins. Rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again. It's talking about the church community. Making our right. And and if you go into the New Testament, the church community had all things in common. No one had any lack. In Acts, right? That that's what this church community should be like. Your past life, no matter. How bad it's been is suitable, suitable to be used for rebuilding. The old rubble that you thought was waste, God's going to use it to rebuild again. Amen? I want to read this last scripture and then we're going to pray. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is Isaiah the prophet speaking on behalf of Jesus. Jesus repeats this again in the New Testament. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. We've done that here today. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who were bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, let's make that exchange this morning, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he, he, he may be glorified. Your life should be glorifying God. But our diminished faith is not allowing us to do that. No more. No mas. Mucho mas. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many, many, many generations. This whole scripture is about an exchange. It's about you giving up something that he could replace that in your life. Come on. To give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning come on give him your mourning and he'll fill you with joy the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness come on the spirit of heaviness is on our nation and it's gotten into the church no mas mucho mas that they may be called trees of righteousness the planting of the lord that he may be glorified he may be glorified. He may be glorified. Look at your life and, and let me know and let him know if your life is glorifying God. If you're always humming and drumming and complaining and always with your head down and oh Lord, oh my, oh me, oh mo. <sighs> it doesn't matter what's going on. God's going to make the exchange. 
He's going to replace that very thing that's bringing you down. He's going to give you that joy for that morning. Some of us have lost loved ones or, or have you could mourn for many other things. Not just the loss of a loved one. Maybe your kids are running the streets and doing stuff out there and, and you're trying to figure, or you're mourning the loss of something or someone or whatever it is. Give that to the Lord and he'll exchange that for joy. But it requires something of us. It requires something of us. It requires something of us. Stand to your feet this morning. Recover, restore, rebuild. singing more than conquerors. Worship team, you can make your way up here and join the team. And in fact, I have, at the, at the end, I have uh, worship, like bring them back up. And I noticed that we were right at time and I wasn't going to do it, but my wife said, no, we're doing mucho mas. Mucho mas. There is an action. There is an action. There is absolutely an action. Right? More. See, God doesn't just make us conquerors. He doesn't just restore. He restores mucho más. Right? He ended up, they ended up getting more than what was taken from them. Come on. God is going to restore you as individuals. He's going to restore your household. He's going to restore the church. Right? And what does that take? It takes our faith. Yes. It takes our faith. Not that diminished faith that we've been living on. Right? Not that milk. We're eating steak. Right? We're going to stand yes. on the faith that got us this far. We got so far and then we Amen. let it kind of slip away. Yes. No more. No mas. Mucho mas. I'm just adding to our message of mucho mas now. It's no mas. No more. Yes. It's the time of mucho mas. Amen? More. Mucho mas. Conquers. 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 Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.